Good morning. I am uh, in a lot better shape this morning than I was this time yesterday. I was uh, in the bathroom sick all day, but uh, the Lord has miraculously made me feel better. Uh, so thanks to Ken Hall for praying that I would get rest. Uh, I slept 12 hours last night and I was in bed all day yesterday, so the Lord heard your prayers. Um, this morning, we're going to be looking at a really cool passage on discipleship. And um, before we get into the, the text, I want to pray and just ask God to be with us this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together. Lord, please open our eyes to our strength for the mission that you've called us to be on. Lord, as we confess this morning, some of us need to be reminded of our need for your strength rather than anything in us. So please be with us this morning. It's in Christ's name. Amen. So some of you may know, but I was a, a track and field athlete in high school and college. And uh, even though I was a, a triple jumper, one of the most incredible races to watch each week was the 4 by 400 meter relay. It's the very last event of every track meet. And if you and another team were really close in points, less than 10 points, whoever won the 4 by 4 was going to win the track meet. So with the 4x4, four four, you took your best athletes, you took your best sprinters, and you put them in a relay. And each person had to run a lap around the track, the full lap, full speed, 100%. Now that may sound like an easy task until you get 200 meters in, and then you start dying. Then you can't breathe anymore. But these athletes had no choice. They had to sprint the entire race, and whoever had the most heart would win the race. So the first guy would take off, and he'd be running, 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 and you'd kind of get a feel like, okay, we're leading. And then the second guy would get it, and the third guy. But it didn't matter what place you were in on that last leg because every team saved their best runner for the last leg. And then that last guy would get the baton, and he would run as fast as he could, and you'd see the best athlete on these teams catch up and beat somebody who was 100 meters ahead of them. And you wonder, how is this possible? And it's because these guys had heart, they had skill, they had talent, and they had trained hard for the 4x4 four four relay. This race takes determination, it takes grit, it takes hard work. You don't get into this race unless you know you're going to run it and you're going to run well. And we see that the Christian walk is often described as a race. And you may envision yourself like these four by four runners, given all you've got, every bit that you have in you to make it to the finish line or to hand off the baton. And in fact, we're called to run as someone who's going to win the race. But the question is, how are we going to get through the grueling lap to pass the baton when we're already weak and exhausted? How are we going to do that if we're naturally slow and unathletic? What if we're the alternate that got put in the race at the last minute? Because that's what we are, right? We're running this race, but we're all weak and needy, and we're not naturally gifted. In fact, we're sinful. We're not cut out for this race apart from grace. And the Word of God teaches us that we need strength outside of ourselves to run the race that has been set before us. We often forget this reality, though. In the daily grind, we often forget that we need the strength of Christ to live out God's call in our life. 
We see the race. We know we need to run the race. And we know we need grace to get in, but we also need grace to finish. So this morning, our, our main thing that I think Paul is saying to us is that to live out Christ's call to make disciples, we must be strengthened by God's grace. In other words, it's God's power on God's people for God's mission. So let's look at verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So one of the most important aspects of our health is sleep, right? We spend about a third of our days in bed, and yet sometimes we don't have the best sleep. We wake up exhausted, and so we think, well, let's grab a cup or two of coffee and let's, let's get going for our day. But besides caffeine, there's a really cool natural source of energy that's completely free to each and every one of us. But if I tell you, go sun yourself every day, you might think I'm crazy. What is he saying? Go sun yourself. Go outside and sun yourself. But if I told you that you need to get outside and you need to get some sunlight, then you'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So I need to take myself, I need to walk out the door, and I need to get in the sun. Now, what I'm telling you to do here is allow the light from the sun to shine on you. Because if you go out into the sun, the sun re will reach the photoreceptors in your eyes and give you more energy. But the reality is, to get the sunlight, the sun has to be shining, and you have to put yourself in the position for the sun to shine on you. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy here. You are not the sun. You are not the source of energy. You have to put yourself in the position for the energy to be put on you. And so what he's saying is, when he says be strengthened by the grace, he's saying you have to put yourself in the position for grace to strengthen you. It's not go lift weights or do more push-ups to be strong. No, it's go to the place that will give you the strength that you need. And so for Timothy to not jump ship like all Asia, like Phagellus and Hermogenes, he's going to need to rely heavily on the grace of Christ. And I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that I really, really, really need the grace of Christ to get through a lot of moments in life. I'm more of a, a timid Timothy type of guy. And so when I hear these commands to stay strong, to stay bold, I, I'm going to be shaken to the core like Timothy. But Paul, instead of urging him to be bold in himself or to develop the strength in and of himself, Paul urges him to be strengthened by something outside of himself, which is the grace of Christ, the, the free and unmerited favor, the power that comes from God that he does not have to earn, that he does not have to work for. And in fact, it's the grace that saved him. The grace that saves us is the grace that keeps us. And we have to remember that grace is the prerequisite for the Christian life. It's by grace that we are saved through faith. So in order to start the race, we must have first encountered the grace that got us in there. We must encounter the sovereign grace of God. Without the grace of God, there's no salvation for anyone on the planet Yet God is rich in love and mercy, and he sent his son to be the grace that we need to be forgiven and reconciled to God. It's not just a cliche church song to sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That grace is truly amazing because it took wretches like you and I, 
and it brought us eternal life. We sing because we are happy because the grace of God has set us free. And that grace is what saves us eternally and empowers our Christian walk. Grace is the energy that carries us through the Christian life. Uh, the Christians in Galatia got this wrong. And Paul was very firm in Galatians 3 verse 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? The answer is a resounding no. The Galatian Christians needed to be reminded, when you start by grace, you finish by grace, you're kept by grace. When you start by the Spirit, you're kept by the Spirit to walk by the Spirit. And Paul is reminding Timothy, do not make the wrong mistake. Do not make the same mistake. If you're going to stay on board, it will not be because of anything within you. It will be because you have to rely on the grace of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Especially in the case of timid Timothy, he's going to have to look outside of himself to finish strong. And we too must prioritize opportunities to be strengthened by grace. But we need to ask ourselves, why? Why do we tend uh, to rely on our own strength? What is it about us that makes us want to rely on our own strength? And maybe not all of these will resonate, but maybe some will. One, one reason is because it's easy until things get difficult. It's easy to rely on ourselves until times get tough. We can go many days without opening our Bible or without praying to God. There are plenty of self-help books and productivity hacks and things we can do to just get through. But what happens when all those things stop working? What happens when death comes or sickness comes or you just stop desiring to do the right thing? Then what happens? Things start to get difficult, and we realize that we need God's help. Another thing is we're self-reliant from childhood. You can be anything you want to be as long as you work hard. Do your best, and you can succeed at everything. And yet, is that not anti-gospel? Is that not contrary to everything the Bible teaches us? So if you're raised like that from childhood, it's going to be really hard to break yourself from that. And as rural Americans, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Pick yourself up and keep pushing. But some of us are simply believing the lie that we're too busy for God. From the time we wake up, we're looking at our phones or we're looking at our calendars, and then we go through the day in a flash, and then we lay down to go to bed, and we just don't make time for God. I've got kids to watch. I've got a house to clean. I've got food to cook. I've got things to do. I just don't have time to read and pray until I'm falling asleep on my pillow. And at that point in the time, it's just not good. It's just, it's just me falling asleep. We don't have time. We don't make enough time. Maybe we do a quick 15-minute devotional. But in that 15 minutes, our hearts are so distracted that we never even get our hearts set on Christ. And then maybe for some of us, we're just content to go through the motions. Times are not tough, so we don't feel a sense of urgency. And even when the times are tough, we, we just try to search ourselves to figure out how to get out of the situation. It's so easy to prioritize ourselves. It's so easy to rely on ourselves. But what Paul is calling to, Tim, to Timothy to do and what Paul is calling us to do is we need to put ourselves in the position to be strengthened by the grace of Christ. And so how do we do that? What do we do practically? And the, the best thing I could think of is the Lord's Prayer. 
This is something that we can all pray through every day, and we can get ourselves before God and be strengthened by his grace. Listen to how the Lord's Prayer can teach us to seek the strength of Christ. First, we open with our Father in heaven. That's a recognition that we are children of God. If we can live in light of our identity as children of God, we can constantly be seeking the strength of Christ because if he is our father and we are his children, that is the identity we need to know that we need God. But then we need to be moved. Hallowed be thy name. We need to be moved by the holiness of God. So we know we're his children. We see how holy he is. So like already the focus has gone from us to God. But then we see that we need to develop an all-encompassing passion for the kingdom of God as we live godly lives in the kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And then once we see that we need to focus on his kingdom and his will, we realize that we're going to need help with that. Because I'm always drawn to build my kingdom. I want to build my kingdom, so God, give me the grace to focus on yours. Then we acknowledge our neediness. Give me this day. Give us this day our daily bread. Each and every day, we need to ask God to give us our needs, not just our basic needs, but our spiritual needs. God, if I don't have you, I don't have bread on the table. God, if I don't have you, I can't make it through this day. Then we, we ask for forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. We are seeking his forgiveness and his reconciliation every day for our sin and our failing, and we're seeking his help to forgive and be reconciled to those who sin against us. I don't know a harder thing to do every day than to forgive people who sin against me. So then we have, we have to ask for that grace. And then lastly, we ask God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're asking God's grace to lead us down the path of righteousness, to go the direction he has called us to go. So in sum, we need to live each day before the face of God, in the presence of God, knowing and asking for the strength of God. And we can do that. We can all do that. But if you have not yet believed in Jesus, or if you feel as though maybe you profess his name, but you've never truly surrendered to seek his strength and to seek his help, there is time. Now is the time. There is enough strength in Christ Jesus for every person in all time to be, in strength, to be strengthened and empowered for the work. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing, he says to us. Give yourself over to the Savior who can strengthen you. He says, if you are weak, come to me. If you are needy, come to me. When he was on earth, that's who he sought. He didn't seek the healthy. He sought those who were in need. So if you're needy and lacking strength, Christ says, come to me. I will forgive you for your sins. I will reconcile you to my Father. Because of my life, my death, and my resurrection, I can give you resurrection power to get you through everything you need to be brought through. He carried the cross. He bore our penalty. He rose to give us power. So if you have not yet believed in Christ, run to him and get this power, this strength that is found outside of yourself. And as we think about seeking Christ's strength, we must ask, what strength? Like, why do we need it? What is this strength for? And our, our second point this morning is that we are to pursue people to pour God's word into. We are to pursue people to pour God's word into. 
But one of the most devastating stories in all of Scripture is in Judges chapter 2. After God, through Moses, brought Israel to the promised land, he passed the baton to Joshua. Joshua lived to be 110 years old, and the elders who were with him died sometime after his death. But sadly, the next generation of Israelites didn't know God's work or what he had done. They didn't know God. Judges 2.10 says, All that generation were gathered to their fathers. There arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work he had done for Israel. An entire generation did not know God or the work he had done for Israel. Somehow the baton had been passed on. We don't know if it was Joshua. Was he being irresponsible? Was it the elders after his death? Or was that generation just generally uh, full of unbelief? But what we know is the baton was not passed. And yet every generation of believers is called to pass the baton to the next generation. And one of the biggest reasons Timothy needed the grace of God is because he was tasked with passing on the gospel, the word of God, to faithful and trustworthy men. He was to pass on the word that he had learned from Paul, namely the gospel. Let's look at verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men. So Timothy was called to pass not just any old words, but the words of the apostle Paul, not just Old Testament words, Not just New Testament words, but the words that God had sent the Apostle Paul and the other apostles to teach. The gospel message. Sometimes Paul calls it my gospel. It was the word of God that was given to Paul. And it wasn't just Paul's word, it was God's word. Peter says that Paul's words were the scripture. Uh, 2 Timothy tells us all scripture is breathed out by God. So Timothy was tasked with passing on these same words that he was taught by the Apostle Paul. And that's what we are called to pass on as believers. That's what I'm called to herald. That's what Shane and Kevin are called to herald. But it's also what you are called to take to the world with you. And in the context of this passage, Timothy is called to pass it on to faithful elders, faithful leaders who would continue on the pastoral ministry. And what we see here, which is so cool and so beautiful, is we see four generations of discipleship. Paul passes the word down to Timothy, who is to entrust it down to faithful men who are to teach it to others. So we see four generations of gospel teaching right here in this passage. And we're all fruit of that passing down of the gospel. It has continued and continued for over 2,000 years, or almost 2,000 years. It has continued to come down to us because God is faithful to use faithful men, strengthened by the grace of God, empowered by the grace that is in Christ Jesus to do the very work that Timothy was called to do. And we see that in training up pastors, it's not just any old people that we want to hand this down to. Paul says to hand it and trust it to faithful men, people of proven character, of that First Timothy character, chapter 3, I believe, where it lays out the qualification of elders. And if you notice, it says they need to be able to
to teach others also. The, the pastor, the elder, has to be able to guard the word of God. The same guarding that Paul's called Timothy to, the church has leaders and pastors and elders to guard that. But I want to remind you that it's not just the pastors and the elders who guard the word, it's you who guard the word as well. It's, it's you and I. We together, we guard the word. And broadly, this call to pursue discipleship is a church-wide call. It's something for us all to be involved in together. Remember the Great Commission. Jesus calls us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do all that Christ has commanded. That is the great commission for each and every one of us. He has called us to make disciples across the world. And by grace alone, we can do this work. But apart from grace, the work is impossible. We may build something. Don't get me wrong. We may build something, but it won't be the church of God. It won't be disciples. I may be able to make some mini-me's, but it won't be many Christ. It won't be Christ followers. I may be able to build ministries, but I won't build the kingdom of God. I may be able to mold people in an image, but they won't be molded in the image of God. We don't want that. And if we don't want that, we need the grace of God at work among us. We need to remember discipleship. What is discipleship? It is both making disciples and being discipled. We need to be willing to make disciples for some of us, that's making disciples in our homes with our children. For some of us, that's reaching out to a younger believer and teaching them how to live a godly life. It's getting to know your unsaved co-workers and bringing them into your life, bringing them into a Bible study, sharing the gospel with them, walking with them. For some of us, it's finding that, that guy that used to be addicted to drugs and is all of a sudden seeking the gospel and needs somebody to walk with him. There are so many circumstances in which we are to make disciples. There are so many opportunities if we ask the Lord to open our eyes to see it. But we also need to be humble enough to be discipled. We need to be seeking out those godly saints and asking them, can you teach me how to raise my children? Can you teach me how to be a more godly man at work, at home? Can you teach me what it's like to really pray? to really study the word, to really delight in God? Can you show me what this looks like? So what are some practical ways to cultivate discipleship in our lives? First thing we can do is we can pray for people to disciple us or pray for people to be discipled by. So we need to ask the Lord for open eyes, for opportunities. Hey, God, who do you want to disciple me? Who have you called to shepherd me? Or who have you called me to disciple and lead? Who can I pull into the everyday rhythms of my life? Who can I pray with? Who can I do devotions with? And maybe encourage. That's a simple prayer. But we've got to pray that prayer. And I want to remind parents, you have children to disciple. So don't feel like you're less than or that you're not doing enough if that's all you can disciple. I got four little people to disciple. If I don't go outside of that for a few years, that's excellent. That's plenty. It's very difficult to disciple four people, but that's what God has called me to. But maybe some of you don't have children yet, or your nest is now empty. Who can you be discipling? Who can you be pulling in?
and then praying, who can I be discipled by? But, but next is to look at opportunities in your life to build in disciples. I'm not going to name names, but I had a really good friend who had several children, a wife, and yet when I was in my middle 20s, he welcomed me in, my, in his home multiple days per week. We would drink coffee together. We would read books together. We would talk about mission together. We dreamed of church planting together. He gave his life to me by welcoming me into the rhythms of his life, and it changed my life. It showed me what discipleship really can look like. What can you do to pull people in to your life? How can you build in discipleship? One of the coolest things I ever heard was, we eat three meals a day. Can we share one of those with somebody? And that doesn't mean every day, but someone can eat dinner with you, or someone could have lunch with you, or someone could have breakfast with you, and that could become a discipleship relationship. So think about those ways that you could pull people in. And then commit to intentionality. So don't just hang out. It's okay to hang out. It's really good to just hang out. It's great to watch a UK basketball game. It's great to, to go sit by a bonfire. But let's make sure that we get beyond that. Just ask the question, how's your soul this week? How are you doing? How can I pray for you? Sometimes asking that simple question, how can I pray for you, opens the floodgates to figuring out how someone's soul is doing in that week. And sometimes that's all we need. You don't have, you don't have to do a Bible study every time. You don't have to be working through a book. You can simply say, what's going on in your world? How can I be there for you? And I'll tell you, there are people in this church who do an excellent job of that. And what's so encouraging is they remind me throughout the week, been praying for you. They see me on Sunday, been praying for you. Uh, someone said, you know, praying for your family. It, it's really good. It's really encouraging to hear that you're actually thinking of people throughout the week in your daily rhythms. And again, it's, it's just caring for people. It's loving people. It's giving them the gospel. Uh, I remember as a, a high school student, uh, Troy Young, he used to be the youth pastor at Emmanuel Baptist. He would bring us donuts and lead first priority. And I was one of those fake Christian kids at the time. I would show up every week. I would pray. Sometimes I would try to lead something, but I just didn't know Christ. And I believe he could see through it because I was more focused on track and field and grades and girls and all the things that high school guys are focused on. But then the light switch flipped on, and I got saved. And Troy showed up to disciple me. He took an interest in me. He invested in me. He invited me to his youth group. He invited me into his home. He found out that I did Christian rap and took it upon himself to get me some concerts in the local churches. And then the coolest thing he did was he got me a concert in Louisville. And he drove me to Louisville on a Saturday afternoon, hung out the entire day away from his family to hear me rap and hang out with this, this church up there. And then he brought me back. And then all through college, he would meet with me at the subway in Danville right off Main Street. How's life? How's college? How's everything going? When I was going through depression, he would counsel me. He would give me advice. When I got out of college, he congratulated me on my wife. When I had a tough decision to make, he would help me think through these things. That's discipleship. And that's not something that I even asked him for. That was just something the Lord put on his heart. And as a 33-year-old man, 16 years later, I'm still thankful for his impact on my life. The reason I'm up here today, because of Shane. 
because of Sean, because these guys discipled me in college, because they took an interest in me and invested in me. They probably didn't know that they were going to be influencing a, a preacher, a pastor, a church planter. They just saw a little knucklehead running across Center College who needed some spiritual guidance. And they never gave up on me. As foolish and silly as I was, they persisted with me. That's what discipleship is all about. That's what Paul is calling Timothy to do. It's to be in people's lives. When Jesus made disciples, it was being in their lives. Think about discipling Peter and how annoying and frustrating that could have been. Think about knowing Judas was going to betray you, and yet you still let him in to the inner circle. Think about these guys bickering amongst each other, who's going to be the top dog, and yet Jesus never gave up on them. He knew that when the shepherd got struck, the sheep would scatter, and he never gave up on them. That's what discipleship is all about. That's what Paul is reminding Timothy about. This ain't going to be easy. You're going to need the grace that is in Christ Jesus to strengthen you to do this work. Ministry is going to be tough. When you go back to Ephesus or when you pastor in Ephesus where they all turn their backs on me, it won't be easy. But you have to entrust this word to faithful people and keep this mission going. And you can only do it in the grace of Christ. So again, I want to remind you to live out Christ's call to do all of this work. We must be strengthened by his grace. And if you've lost me or if you haven't been taking notes, I want to get your attention now. I have just two simple questions I want to leave with you this morning. They're not just theoretical questions. They're not hypothetical. So please actually write these down, actually think through these. If you don't take notes, at least log them in your memory. Think about them sometime this afternoon or maybe this week during your devotional time. Number one, whose strength are you relying on? Whose strength are you relying on? When push comes to shove and you reflect on your Christian life, whose strength do you rely on most of the time? When things are going well, how's your prayer life? When things are getting tough, where do you run first? Who are you relying on? This was a question I wrestled with yesterday as I'm, I'm laid up in the bed, sick, with nothing to do but think and so often it's, it's easy to rely on myself. It's so easy to go grab the next book off the shelf to figure out how to improve my devotional life. It's easy to go grab the next supplement so I can feel better. It's easier to grab the next snack because I'm emotionally eating to get through a tough day. It's easy to flick on the TV, turn on YouTube, turn on TikTok so I can distract myself from what's really going on. But that doesn't give me strength. Whose strength are you relying on? And then confess that to God. Be real with that. Is the gospel your source of strength? Do you preach the gospel to yourself daily? Do you draw near to God so that God can draw near to you? My second question, what legacy are you aiming to leave? Another way of asking this question, what is your why? Why are you doing everything that you do? Is it building up the kingdom of God, making disciples, or is it building up the kingdom of self? Are you trying to live so you can make more money, to have more stuff, a bigger home, a bigger investment? 
It's not a sin to have a good job, to make money, or to leave something for your family, but is that what you're living for? Do you live for the opinions of people? Do you live for a good reputation? Do you live so people can think highly of you? Or do you live to make disciples and to spread the kingdom of God? In all of this, God brings us both forgiveness and transformation through his grace. In Christ, we receive the grace of reconciliation to God, and we receive the grace of reproduction of disciples. We both can be reconciled to God by grace, and we can reproduce disciples by grace. It is all of grace, 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 marvelous grace, matchless grace, infinite grace, grace that is greater than all our sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the strength to live this life. God, I thank you for the strength to be able to stand up here and preach this morning. God, I confess that so often I don't rely on your strength. God, I confess on behalf of this church that we often don't rely on the strength of the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But Lord, I pray that this sermon could stir us up, that your word could stir us to put ourselves in the position to be overtaken by the flood of your grace. God, I pray that this would stir us up to simply get away from the noise, from the chaos, from the busyness, to just be in your presence for the sake of being strengthened, God, because you are so good. You are so mighty, so powerful. And you want to share that with us. Oh God, I pray that you would help us this morning by your grace, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And God, help us to make disciples. We're busy, we're tired, we're stressed out, we're worn out. But so was Jesus. He, he sympathizes with us. Jesus, you sympathize with us. Please give us the energy and the strength that even when we're up at night and can't sleep, even when we're so dead and exhausted at the end of the day, that we would still take your word and entrust it to faithful people, that we would pass this word on and spread it for your glory, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. It's in Christ's name. Amen.